That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the Minute, a podcast rewatching and discussing Batman v Superman one single minute at a time. And boy, have we arrived at a big one. Minute 80, we have already seen Clark Kent meet Bruce Wayne, but now after a thrilling Batmobile chase and a less thrilling but more decisive end to that chase in minute 79 with the Batmobile busted and sliding and eruptions of flames, fluttering capes. We arrive at minute 80. Superman is about to tear open the Batmobile and Superman and Batman are about to meet for the first time on film. And I think it's just going to go wonderfully. (laughs) Tell me. Uh, yeah, Batman is not happy about uh, what Superman just did to the Batmobile, and he's about to let it be known. All things considered, this is a very minimalist scene. Like, I, I almost intentionally so, right? That this is a build-up that we've been waiting for, but these characters are on so such different tracks and have different paths that they're on that they're almost not even really seeing each other, even though they're now literally looking at each other yeah well i remember when when ben affleck was cast especially after we first started seeing images of him um a lot of people were making a big deal out of the fact that he's bigger than henry cavill both taller especially after he bulked up and when he's got that bat suit on he's just a a hulking like he's a couple he's got an inch or two on on cavill and then you know 20 pounds maybe obviously he's not kryptonian so the the size comparison is a little bit irrelevant and I, I think most media that I, at least my preferred depiction is, is relatively common for, for that to be the case. But I was really excited about it because of the di- dichotomy of the notion that Batman is, is more physically imposing than Superman, but so much weaker was a really cool kind of contrast to me. And so that really, to me, pays off here when Batman stands up to like stare him down. And I mean, he's he's like about like wants to bite his face off. And um, ultimately, like we know that he he's powerless in this moment, right? Like he has never been more vulnerable in his life, maybe, right? Yeah. Like this, this could be over. In a, and before he even knows what's happening, like literally he just experienced a, a vision where Superman caved his chest in or whatever it is that he does in the, in the nightmare to kill him. And now they're face to face for real um, or again, I guess, depending on whether or not you think that was a vision or a time travel or I guess maybe it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so but he but he but he still experienced it. So he has no leverage, no power, no nothing here. But he stands up taller than Superman looks down at him and um i guess he doesn't superman delivers his line first but just the way the the amount of confidence (laughs) exuding from from batman in this moment is like you know the fever and the rage that turn good men cruel that you like that's on full display here yeah it's funny we, we talked before about people not knowing who they're dealing with i don't think superman like you're saying realizes who he's dealing with 
But Batman also doesn't. We're like we're we're walked into this scene, or we're driven into the scene. Hey, by Batman. But for context, Superman has come here from the Gotham Police Station, where he met Caesar Santos's, well, not his wife, and that was a case of Superman or Clark looking at people. Like trying to actually function like a person and not like Superman. And the words that she said to him were, words don't stop a man like this, a fist does. Yeah. I think that is an important context to set all of this in where he uses either no fist or as little fist as possible. He just steps in, choosing to remain an optimist, uses his words and says, the next time they shine the light in the sky... Don't come. The bat's dead. It's over. Yeah. Bury it. Bury it. Just, I mean, I guess a peacemaker, but at the same time, like Batman is seeing him as this is coming from a place of ego uh, or or power Mm -hmm. where we know that for Superman, it call this mercy. It actually is like he is so upset. Clark is about what is going on and feels that this guy is preying on the weak, Mm -hmm. that this is mercy. I'm just going to tell you to your face to stop and I'm going to demonstrate just by being here that- You just ran your car into me and it (laughs) destroyed, like, there is no question here about who has the upper hand. Like, your car is wrecked, my suit isn't even ripped. Like, don't even, don't have any ideas. (laughs) Yeah, and he then rises up. So so he physically is higher, you know, than, than Batman as he's preparing to leave. And I feel like this is a very human moment for Superman, actually. Like, this feels like Pa Kent would be proud of him for doing this. Of yeah. not getting violent and letting the words try to communicate. And <laughs> what he's met with is, do you bleed? <laughs> in in this context, I hear it almost as, do you even bleed? Mm-hmm. Like, it, it is such an alienating thing to say. And... You can, Superman almost, he doesn't know how to take it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost like xenophobic, like in the way he spits it out. Like it's, 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 it's a, it's not just like you're all, it's not saying, do you bleed? Like you're too godly to bleed. You're not even human. I think that that's a, we've talked about it a lot and it's going to continue in this movie. Superman, his wrestling at trying to be a superhero on a man. Wow. Oh, if we found the title of our episode, um, (laughs) He's struggling to be just a guy trying to do the right thing and also a god. And this was literally the most specific human compassion motivated trying to be a good person. Mm-hmm. And Batman comes back by just the most, I, I, I don't even know the words for it. Like he, this is going to be a recurring thing for Batman, but I think that it is only adding to the turmoil inside of Superman. Mm -hmm. that his most human moment is turned into his most alien yeah by this guy and he throws the the he consider this mercy and batman like throws it back in his face as like no no you this is what it feels like to be powerless i'm gonna make you rip me apart if you want to stop me like that's what he's saying like he's saying like you're you're you think your mercy is a strength but i won't let it be and it's 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 insane and imagine like I said at the end of the last minute, just the amount of like pure adrenaline you can like sense. And, and Affleck's performance here is like one of the kind of tops of the movie because of the way he stands up and faces him down. Like this is a guy who just like like you said, stared down a brick wall, a tanker, a, a missile that like didn't blink and just ran straight through it. Didn't even let off the gas. The Batmobile is fine and then runs into Superman and 
bounces off of him. And then Superman comes up and rips the top of the Batman or the Batmobile open like a tin can and just tosses the things aside. Batman stands up, looks at him in the eye and says, do you bleed? Like, (laughs) I don't know what kind of like, I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) It, 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 It is so, so much adrenaline, so much hate. He's not under any bad assumption or any, any flawed assumption about what Superman is capable of doing to him in this moment. And he's just like, I don't know the, like the fact that he has that kind of like the balls to confront him. So like in this moment of vulnerability to pull a, uh, do you bleed? I don't know. It's like, so it's such a defining moment for what Batman is in this movie. Yeah. And, and, and how our perception of Superman is changing, right? If you contrast this with the Superman that we got to see through man of steel. And at the end said, I'm from Kansas. I'm as American as it gets. Mm -hmm. Then the beginning of this movie is showing, you know, that is not who he ever was to to Bruce. To Bruce, he was a tiny speck up in the sky that was destroying his family and his friends and uh, repeating this horrible trauma that we've been talking about. That now, when he's once again left staring up at Superman, just kind of effortlessly fly up and away from this situation, uh, and he says you will. It feels like it is as much in my mind now in my reading of the scene, he is thinking of the fact that he hit the brakes. Yeah. And this is where the situation got him is now he's looking up at him. I would wager, and you know, I don't know because I don't know what minutes come after (laughs) this. Bruce is about to do a whole lot more staring and silently thinking about what hitting those brakes has cost him. Yeah. Well, and and that's kind of such a like we said, it, it didn't make a difference that he hit the brakes, but that's it's a um, a fallacy that I think a lot of people fall into is like the if I had, if I had only held the gas down. Well, yeah, but this is the same Bruce that ran into uh, ran towards a collapsing building. Yeah, exactly. So he believes this Batman believes that the difference between him succeeding and not is his ability to stare down another man and run over him with a Batmobile. Yeah. Like, like literally that, that, and that, and I think that's why he embraces like the, you know, the Cheney doctrine being referenced earlier is because he thinks that, that is what is necessary to make him Batman. I know we talked about um, briefly, like with the Robin suit in, um, in early, earlier minutes, kind of like what he's learned on his course as, as Batman, what that means to him. And it's like sort of the, the, you know, makes complete sense that he would like steal himself like that to, to convince himself, no, this is who I need to be. The beautiful lie is that being human, being compassionate can make me an inspiring hero. I have to be that dark knight. I have to be yeah. the terror. I have to blow up criminals. <laughs> Um, and, and, and diametrically opposed to Superman showing mercy. And I have to brand them. Um, and I bet he's pissed that Superman showed him mercy too. Mm-hmm. Totally. I don't know. It's it's a fascinating and, and once again, just very minimal dialogue from, from Chris Terrio here. Or yep. I don't I never know if it's, this feels like maybe a, a, a Goyer moment, but maybe Terrio dialogue. And then also, I think it's interesting that he whispers, you will, as Superman flies away. And it's very much to himself. But how much does he know about like does he know that super that that's Superman hears that? If anyone in the world knows that he'll hear him, it's Bruce. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm sure he's saying it to himself, but also I I, th- I imagine he's aware that Superman can hear him say that. It's a very Batman thing. Also, what you're talking about, like uh, the Batmobile is destroyed. Well, yeah, but you hit Superman, but it's because I faltered. That that is the yeah. the issue, right? I mean, honestly, that's how he became Batman. 
Bruce Wayne, who we perceived as a guy like Bruce Wayne talking to Jack, looking up at Superman. Then 18 months later, this Batman where Alfred is struggling to see Bruce still looking up at Superman. Well, let's just say I think this is a turning point for him in the movie when he realizes that faltering is not going to work. And yeah, if there was some part of him that wasn't totally committed, this and the minutes that follow are going to really, you know... um he's going to be resolved <laughs> coming out of this to yeah. not be tempted into seeing Superman as a God and debasing himself as being just a guy and become something uh, much, much worse. Yeah. And I know this is maybe going to inspire a uh, post episode plug if I, if I do this correctly. Um, but it's a good example of how um, like what, acting and directing and, and music kind of do to like heighten the drama of a, of a moment like this. Cause like when you, when you pull back, it's one of those things where, like I was saying, he's so vulnerable and like what Superman says to him, the bat is dead, bury it, consider this mercy. He could end bat. He could, he could have all of his supposed problems from Batman over right now, just by snapping his neck. Like he did the Zod and then Batman comes at him and it's, it's so passionate and full of adrenaline and everything. But like he, it doesn't, he can't do anything to Superman. It's like, it like it's executed very well. And then the drama is great. But like, if you pull it back and look at like on paper, what's happening here, it kind of feels like Superman is like, uh, the bat is dead. Barry, consider this mercy. And Batman's response is like, well, the jerk store called and they said, they're out of you. <laughs> the, the one thing I did really enjoy here is that, this minute, uh, we have the Batmobile, you know, rocketing back towards where Bruce is now living next to the lake. The lake opens up, and the minute ends as the doors to the Batcave, like, unlock and rise. And I literally just wrote down, curtains up. <laughs> uh, now that I'm thinking with Zack Snyder's, what's the beginning in the middle and the end? Um, this feels like a new beginning. Like, this is both a starting, ending the, the previous sequence with Superman, but now we are starting the next thing and we're literally starting it by opening up the curtains into the Batcave. Interior, Batcave. Well, and I guess that's a, a good moment then to, to reference. Um, we got to both join uh, Dave the Film Junkies uh, live stream with, uh, with Snyder for a minute. And for longtime listeners of the podcast, we'll be happy and maybe relieved to know that I finally got an answer to the, is this these minutes that are end that end with their own kind of thematic bookends. Um, like how intentional is that? Like that so many on a podcast dedicated to examining the movie one minute at a time, <laughs> we've been like, wow, it's like, it's like the movie was built one minute at a time. And, uh, and so I was able to ask him like, is that in intentional or am I just like, am I crazy reading into this? Um, and, and he said, no, we're not crazy. He, he designs them, uh, you know, it's, it's not perfect every time, but he, he, he designs every minute like its own. Uh, it parcels them out and, and turns them into these moments that are like bricks that he puts them together like a like a brick wall. He says, and um, I think the most satisfying part was when he told us that probably we're the only, some of the only people that really have Rare. examined it in such a way, yeah, that would be even aware of the fact that he did it that way, which um, I, it was a, a very proud moment, I think, for us to, I feel like, a, we we found something cool that not many people would appreciate about his movies. Um, but B, I'm I'm not crazy, and I don't have to end all these minutes now being like he must have done that intentionally, right? Maybe. 
I'm still going to mention it whenever it happens and call attention to it, but I think our listeners can be relieved that I'm not going to... My, my Pepe Silva rants are, are going to be a little bit more tame from here on out now that yep. officially from from the horse's mouth, we're not crazy. <laughs> we are. Yeah. we're no, What a note to end on. Yeah. <laughs> we are not crazy for doing this, and you are not crazy for listening. Uh, you're not crazy for listening to this Minute 80, and you won't be crazy for coming back to listen to Minute 81, but that will do it for this minute, so that will do it for this episode. Um, until the next minute arrives, you can follow us on Twitter, at BVS by the Minute. You can find us in iTunes. Subscribe to the podcast. Throw us a review if you like. Tell somebody about the podcast. Tune into Justice League by the Minute. We're breaking down Zack Snyder's next film project. And you can find us on Patreon at Snyder Minute. We're under there for, for both BVS and Justice League if you want to throw some financial support behind the podcast. But as always, it is your listening support that we appreciate the most. And we're getting into some really good minutes here. So I'm, I'm really, really excited to talk about them and continuing that conversation with, with other fans and listeners online. Yeah, I'm really excited about these next minutes because I mean this 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 one was momentous but we're getting to another one of those sections of the movie where these like swirling plots are all culminating and the next I think 81 and 82 are are great and then 83 is like going to be one of my favorite moments of like tone changes like we've seen a couple times previously so this is I think the third maybe shift in mood that we're we're going through right now and so the third movement yeah no yeah and yeah. Um, and we're not crazy so I, I can say this without laughing at myself but yeah so some really really fun stuff coming up yeah now we'll have to we'll have to arm wrestle to decide if the outro audio for this podcast is going to be my Seinfeld mashup or Amy Adams doing her impression of Ben Affleck's Do You Bleed on the Graham Norton Show. Here we go. I didn't sell it well enough. Nope. Next time they shine your light in the sky, don't go to it. The bat is dead. Bury it. Consider this mercy. Oh, yeah? Well, the jerks start call. They're running out of you. You try, try, try a bit, Amy Adams. Let's see it with a girl's voice. I don't actually want to sound like Batman. <laughs> Do you bleed? <laughs>